Good morning, everyone. As I mentioned last Sunday, I'm slowly getting back into the rhythm of the daily mat or the weekend mass schedule. I was knocked out for a few weeks with this bug that everyone's been getting, and I could hardly talk for two weeks, which is actually probably a good thing for you. So, so praise the Lord. I'm all better now, and thank you, Father Reggie, for doing all the heavy lifting when I was out sick. Make sure you grab a bulletin this Sunday, because it's, it's amazing to imagine, but Christmas is just around the corner, and with Christmas being on a Monday, it puts, two, puts Sunday and Christmas back to back, and so there's a lot of different liturgies, and as Catholics, we, there are no breaks. We go to Mass on Sunday, and we go to Mass on Monday, and so there's a lot of different Masses, though, so please grab a bulletin, all the different Mass schedules for both days. And you can't cheat, by the way. You can't say, I'll do one for both. No. We're hardcore as Catholics, huh? No breaks. And also on the bulletin cover, there's an advertisement for one of our great traditions as a parish, our Advent penance service. And we do a community penance service. We do it during Advent and during Lent. And on this Monday, tomorrow, at 6.30 p.m., we're having 10 priests that will be here and we'll gather as a parish family at 6.30 p.m. And you have the opportunity to go to confession. And especially if you're a native Spanish speaker, we have many of them speak perfect Spanish, unlike myself and Father Reggie. And so our brothers and sisters who speak Spanish, you'll get a little break from our horrible accent. And so please, I want to invite you to come. And going to confession is one of, probably one of the greatest ways to prepare to receive Jesus Christ on Christmas. And to make it even more enticing, everyone that will come tomorrow for the Advent Penance service will receive a special gift. It is a rosary made out of olive wood from the Holy Land. And there's a little background to the story. So as you know, we had organized a parish pilgrimage to go to the Holy Land. And we had nearly 70 parishioners signed up, and we were all ready to go. We had people have bought new bags. We were all getting ready to go to the Holy Land to have a trip of a lifetime. But then we all know what happened a few weeks before when we were supposed to leave. A horrible war broke out, and so the trip was canceled. And the intent, my intent was, well, when we got to the Holy Land, as a gift to the parishioners who couldn't go to the Holy Land, I was going to buy a thousand rosaries for all of you. And I was going to touch the rosaries on Calvary, on the rock of Calvary where Christ himself died. And I would bring it back to you as a gift, so that way all of you would have a piece of the Holy Land with you. And so when that plan fell apart, through some connections and through some generous donations, I was still able to get 400 rosaries shipped to Vacaville from Jerusalem itself. And so we have 400 rosaries now, and of course, which means not everybody can get one for the original 1,000 that I had planned to get. And so, as a little bribe, if you come tomorrow, you are guaranteed to get blessed rosaries made out of olive wood from the Holy Land. And why olive wood? Why olive wood? It's a very specific tree. Think back to Genesis. Remember the story of Noah and the flood. 
And when Noah was trying to figure out if the flood waters had subsided enough, he sent out birds to find branches. And there was one bird that returned to Noah's ark, and he returned with a branch from a very particular tree. Do you remember what tree that was? It was an olive branch. On the night when Jesus was arrested, Jesus was praying in a grove of trees in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you know what type of grove Jesus was praying in the night he was arrested? It was an olive tree grove. Do you know what the name Gethsemane means? Gethsemane. It means the olive press where Jesus was pressed in from the sins of all of humanity, weighed upon our Lord. That is why Jesus bled, it said, if you recall, he bled blood, because Jesus was being pressed in like an olive. That is why, if you go to the Holy Land, olive wood is so prominent. And if you come tomorrow, you are guaranteed to get olive wood rosary as a piece of the Holy Land where our Lord himself lived. And for any leftovers, they'll be in the parish office. But I can't guarantee you if you'll get one or not, but they'll be in the parish office for any leftovers. But I don't anticipate 400 people tomorrow, maybe. That'd be awesome. So, tomorrow, Advent Penance Service. I now must transition to a very difficult topic. There's no easy way to bring up this subject. There's a letter in all of the exits and entrances an update from our bishop, Bishop Jaime Soto. And it's an update from what we announced last spring, if you remember. Governor Newsom had signed a new bill, Assembly Bill 452, which removed the statute of limitations on clergy abuse. And when that happened, a flood of allegations against priests came out. Many, the vast majority of them from decades before, again, that was outside of the scope of the statute. And when that happened, when all of the horrible allegations came out against priests, there was a real possibility that it would overwhelm the finances of the diocese. And so the update with that letter is that this March, Bishop Soto has no choice but to file for bankruptcy protection at the diocese for Sacramento. And so the letter pertains to the subject and his rationale behind it. And I know there are many questions you may have, which we can't address in this short homily. But on the official diocesan website of Sacramento, there's a Q&A that they've created. And so we'll answer a lot of the questions you may have. And the major question that I I hear when when parishioners talk about this with me, that they want to know, well, how will it affect St. Mary's? And the way the diocese is structured, that every parish is independent, is a different corporation. And so 
you'll notice no changes in how St. Mary's will function. So there will be no impact directly to the normal parish functioning. The Banks of Protection deals primarily with the diocese itself. So that's, that's one issue. But whenever we talk about this subject of clergy allegations, especially of abuse, it touches deeply. And it elicits anger, frustration, and rightly so. Because here are these priests who, are, who have committed to serving and to love you. And priests have used that for the worst ways. And the pain that they inflict, the ramifications, last a lifetime. How are we to deal with this? And this is where the readings for this third Sunday of Advent really hit home. Listen to the words of St. Paul today in the second reading. He says, brothers and sisters, rejoice always. In all circumstances, give thanks. Notice that Paul says, in all circumstances, the Christian must always rejoice. But then how? Especially in light of what I just announced. Jesus, or if St. Paul was here, how can we rejoice? Don't you know what was happening in the church, the, the huge challenges we face? Bankruptcy, rejoice even now? Don't you know what's happening? Betrayal on a level that's so intimate, from priests themselves hurting the most vulnerable of people? Rejoice even now, Paul? And Paul would say, yes. Rejoice even now. Why? The answer is found in the first reading we hear from the prophet Isaiah. So remember the first reading today from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 60 and 61. He's speaking to a decimated people. The Israelite people he's talking to have been conquered in the most vile way. They've been, their family members that he's talking to, people that are listening to these words of the first reading, they've had family and friends that have been tortured, killed in war, and are enslaved. He's speaking to a conquered people and the prophet Isaiah is talking to them directly, who are suffering. And he says to them, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has sent me to bring glad tidings to the, to the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and the release to prisoners. So we're speaking to this people that have nothing to rejoice about. But then here's the answer. When, which leads for us to answer, to reflect upon. What is the cause of my joy? For any of us. It's a very deep question. Why am I happy? Our joy cannot be found in material possessions. 
money, things. And we all know that because as we all know, money comes and goes. It comes and goes. Sometimes we have a lot of money, sometimes we don't have much money, sometimes we're broke. And, or even the idea of, if you ever had this, you know when, that moments when you, the excitement we feel, when, especially when you get a new car, right? And there's a little dopamine hit, and we're really happy. Sometimes you stare at the new car in your garage, you're like, wow, I own that. But then what happens after a few weeks? It becomes normal. And so we all know by a personal experience that our joy can never be found in stuff. Or how about my physical health? Praise God that you know, we're able to walk around and come to Mass and we have physical, physical health. But we know that our happiness can't be based upon our bodies and our looks. Because time catches all of us. And as we age, we all become fragile. Our joy can't be based on human relationships. You know, we love our family members, but if you think about it, our most, our worst arguments and deepest pain are always caused by those we love. And especially here in the church, the church, Jesus calls it a, a family, a big worldwide family. And so it is always people that we trust and that we love that always hurt us the most. And so our joy ultimately can't be rooted and built upon human relationships because we all fail in some way. What is our joy built upon? We go back to Isaiah. Isaiah now says, I rejoice heartily in the Lord, for it is my God who is the joy of my soul. There it is. The cause of joy is found only in Jesus Christ. That's it. Because if we place our joy on anything else, it will fail us. Paul, now, again, back to the second reading, he says, rejoice always. And then he links joy with the next line, praying unceasingly. The two are connected, joy and prayer. If we want this joy built upon Christ, Paul says, it must be linked to praying unceasingly. Again, why? Because of the nature of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Prayer is how that relationship with Jesus is sustained. Because if we don't pray unceasingly, what will happen to our faith? It will atrophy like a muscle. If we're not talking to Jesus every single day, and if we're not living out the faith, what will happen is that our faith will shrivel up and die. I had a really good friend. He was a priest in the diocese in the Midwest. And he had the horrible job of being part of the team of investigators when an allegation would come in from, to the bishop's office about a priest that was doing horrible things. He was part of that team, and he had to go in and investigate and interview the priest. He said it was a horrible job. But he began to notice a pattern, especially amongst the, among the credible accused priests. He would sit down with the accused, and he would ask them, 
Father, when did you stop praying? And he said every single time when he would ask that question against a credibly accused priest, he would bow his head in shame. And every single priest he interviewed can tell you precisely when they stopped praying. You see, the two can't coexist. A sinful life and a life of profound prayer. They cannot coexist. They are mutually exclusive. One of them will go away. And when these priests, when they stopped praying, it left this huge, gaping hunger. And they began to fill it with other things than God. And when we do that, when we begin to place our joy and our happiness in other things, what happens begins is that they become susceptible to all of their failings and their vices and temptations. They were no longer strong enough because they had stopped praying and they had replaced Jesus with whatever, fill in the blank. And so in the midst of this scandal, especially of this utter betrayal of priests, we must ask ourselves, why the joy of being Catholic? It cannot be based upon whoever the Pope is at that particular time. It can't be based upon whatever bishop or whatever pastor you may have. Pastors come and go. It can't be based on anything else. Our joy must be rooted in Jesus Christ. That's it. Nothing more and nothing less. And when the Christian is deeply rooted in that spiritual relationship, nourished by prayer, in the midst of the storms, the Christian never wavers. And that is why Paul can say, Rejoice always. In all circumstances, give thanks. For this is the will of God for you.